Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your uh, Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, March 23rd, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. That is correct. The Chicago Federation of Labor. That is correct. The Chicago Teachers Union. That is correct. And, of course, Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Oh, <laughs> studio audience likes reefer, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, man, they love it. That studio audience, they're uh, just hired in a kite. A uh, pothead audience. And so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, we can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday. March 23rd, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Flynn Ways In Wednesday, and here's why. Because Flynn Ways In, that's why. And it's Wednesday. Duh. <laughs> I just an excuse to say, Duh. <laughs> You know, a lot of people I know, by the way, D, when you say something obvious, you go, duh. Yeah, like, you. <laughs> like a lot. I think I picked it up for my kids. Ah, blame it on millennials. Duh. Anyway, Mike Flynn weighed in with an endorsement of Gary Rabine. That's how you pronounce the name, people. Gary Rabine. Get used to it. Thank you, Eric Zorn, one more time for telling us how to pronounce that name. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, without that. Eric Zorn, we'd be lost. Where would we be? Lost. Anyway, Gary Rabine is the businessman from the suburbs who's running for governor in the Republican primary. None of you have ever heard of him. Well, our listeners have. The only people in the state of Illinois have heard of Gary Rabine are Eric Zorn, our listeners, because we talk obsessively about the Republican primary, uh, Rich Miller and Shia Kapos. The rest of you have no idea who he is. And I got to say, I've really I've looked for audio for Gary Rabine and I haven't found any really. And hopefully this news will give me audio. The only piece of audio I have, he's not even in it. It's him playing ping pong. This is for real. That's an audio of him. I thought I, I, thought I was going to get something after that. And it was nothing. But that's him playing uh, that's ping pong. <laughs> See, that just uh, underscores the point. No one's ever heard of Gary Rabine except for Eric Zorn, Rich Miller, and Shia Kapos. In fact, the only person in the state of Illinois who knew how to pronounce his name was Eric Zorn. Yeah. One person in the whole state of Illinois knew how to pronounce Well, no, come on. I, I'm sure Gary Rabine knew how to pronounce it. By the way, I'm not even sure if it's the correct pronunciation. Just because Eric Zorn says something doesn't mean it's so, D. You ever think of that? Oh, yeah. hog farm gate all over again. <laughs> Anyway, Gary Rabine, a candidate you never heard of. And I, look, it took me forever to get you to know who Darren Bailey was, people. Okay? you got Now you all know who DB, the hog farmer. You all know him. And by now, you know Richard Irvin because of Kenny G. 
right? Before uh, Kenny G threw like, how many millions behind him? I forgot, D. Lots of money. 20 million was it? The campaign, of course, is not done. (laughs) Y'all, all all of you know Flannery, all right? Got that across. So anyway, so everybody knew Irvin, and everybody, well, and and Ben Jarofsky world, everybody knew DB, Darren Bailey. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Gary Rabine. He gets the endorsement of Michael Flynn. I, I know you know who Michael Flynn is, people. No. You're political junkies. I don't know Michael. who that is. You brought oh, you that forgot. You brought this up uh, before the show, and I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm like, who the hell is this? How soon, Dr. D? Is that, it's like a Trump. Is it a Trump name? Yes. Okay. It's a Trump That's what guy. I thought. That's what I thought. Michael Flynn, the former national security director uh, in the early days of Trump, real early, because he, he had to quit after he got caught lying to uh, Michael Pence, the guy who got indicted by the feds for lying to the feds. The guy who, who I'm just not going through all my Michael Flynn memories, who stood up at the, De- uh, the Republican convention in 2016 and began to chant, lock her up. Lock her up. Michael Flynn, you know, Michael, the guy who believes in QAnon, the guy who addressed the uh, Trump uh, insurrection rally. Not apparently didn't go to the insurrection. Okay, he just addressed the rally. All right. So, yeah, that Michael Flynn, big time operative in Trump land, the guy who was uh, uh, pardoned by Donald John Trump. Yes, he was pardoned by Donald John Trump. Uh, That. Michael Flynn has weighed in, and he's decided to make an endorsement here in Illinois. That's weird. Don't know why. He doesn't live in Illinois. Yeah, like what? That's why I didn't know. Like, uh, Michael Flynn, I knew that was a Trump name, but, like, why is he even involved in Illinois politics? You were confused with Donald Flynn, a kid I went to college with. (laughs) But it's not Donald Flynn, who, by the way, is a hell of a softball player. Uh, No, it's Michael Flynn. And uh, so Michael Flynn has endorsed uh, Gary Rabine, and now all of a sudden Gary Rabine's thinking, hey, this may mean I get the big tuna, which <laughs> just gave him that nickname, Donald John Trump himself. It's like the Gary Ray Biden universe. And here's why it's significant, ladies and gentlemen, because MAGA rules the Republican Party in the state of Illinois. Monroe Anderson knows this. Donald Trump rules MAGA. And anybody that Donald Trump pardons has huge influence with MAGA. That's, it's kind of weird because if Donald Trump pardoned you, if he pardoned you, you did something wrong. So you would say, you know, that would be a reason why people would be turning against you. But no, it just it's the opposite effect here in, uh, among MAGA in Illinois. So, like, just think about this list, this list of people that Donald Trump has pardoned. I'm going to do this off the top of my head. I got Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn. Uh, what's the rapper he pardoned? D? Lil Wayne. He pardoned Lil Wayne. I forget what Lil Wayne did, but he did something that needed to be pardoned. And Erlocker's brother. You don't have to know anything. You don't know it needed first name or anything. Just have to know it's his brother. Got in trouble and some kind of gambling thing. Erlocker sucked up to Donald Trump. Trump pardoned him. In fact, right now, I'll tell you right now, Erlocker's brother, if you were running for governor in the Republican primary, He'd be a, a leading contender. In fact, he wouldn't even have to put his first name on the ballot. Just was, He should just put on the ballot, Erlocker's brother, who got pardoned by Trump. And Mag will be like, well, yeah, I'll vote for him. So anyway. I think you can just put Erlocker, period. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Mag, hey, no. And uninformed Bears fans and the Mag people would, would vote for him. They know. 
Uh, well, I would uh, say there's uh, that is the same political universe, Monroe, uninformed bear fans and MAGA people. Uh, the informed bear fans are the ones who are not MAGA people. Right. Uh, but uh, Oh, yeah, man, I guess I'm being redundant. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so what a very interesting. Will Michael Flynn's endorsement, will the endorsement of a man who had to be pardoned by Donald Don Trump make a difference for Gary Rabine, a gubernatorial candidate that absolutely no one has heard of? until they got this endorsement from uh, Michael Flynn. And this uh, leads to the question, redefining uh, of a question I've been asking for weeks now. MAGA, you have a choice here. You got a candidate propped up by the richest man in the state of Illinois, the richest man being Kenny G, the candidate being Richard Urban, the mayor of Aurora. You never heard of him. Come on, MAGA, admit it. You never heard of him until he uh, got all that money from Kenny G. So Kenny G is telling you, vote for Urban, even though you know in your heart of hearts that he's not true blue MAGA, that he's like a convert and a very recent convert, I might add. This guy, this guy's basically a Democrat. It's like a, he's like a uh, centrist Rahm Emanuel Democrat. But now he's got, well, I'm going to run Republican and I'm going to take the man's money, which means I have to go full MAGA. Uh, oh, my God, Monroe. Richard Irvin on the issue of crime will just sicken you. But anyway, so you have to decide. Don't, don't, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. Okay. If, 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 if he gave you $2 million. <laughs> Wait, now that's a good question. If Kenny G offered me $2 million to run as a MAGA candidate, would I take it? No. You know why? Because the $2 million would not go to me. It would go to my campaign coffers. Now, if he well, offered- if, you, <laughs> if you spit it on that, you can spend half of it on that and keep the other half. You know what? You know what I could do? I'm thinking this out loud. I wonder if this is illegal. I could... Uh, hire myself as a consultant to my campaign and pay me $2 million and then not campaign. <laughs> That's a tempting offer. <laughs> so here's the challenge for MAGA. Are you going to take the man that the billionaire backs? Or are you going to go with the man that MAGA backs in this case, MAGA being Flynn and Flynn, by the way, Monroe could be the lead uh, for Trump. You know, Trump may weigh in. I can't believe this guy, Gary Rabin, Monroe, I know you've never heard of him. He's the, one of the most obscure candidates running. How Flynn picked him, of all people. More so than Ray Wardingly. Yeah, Ray Wardingly's banking the clown. Okay, I don't think he's running. A, is no, it Sparky I mean, the clown? dead by now. Did I, 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 did I ever tell you my, my story about him? He, when I was working at the Tribune, he called in. As people d- did at the tribute all the time, and I was talking to him, and um, he was complaining about what was going on in Chicago, and and I offhandedly just BSedly said, "You know what? You ought to run for mayor." And he did. And he did. And You're he the reason. Me, and he would call me on a regular basis for <laughs> political advice. <laughs> Take it as political advice from some random guy who answers the phone at the Tribune. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got a lot of Katanji or Brown Jackson to talk about. Unbelievable. Uh, Lee Allen Jones will be joining us. He's fired up, Monroe. A half hour on the phone, a pre, pre-show prep about Ukraine. Uh, you Say what you will about Lee Allen Jones. He ran for Senate as a Green Party guy. He's kind of drifting toward libertarian views, all right? 
This man knows, follows obsessively Monroe, uh, geopolitical chess games. So like India's role, how India is trying to play this war in Ukraine, how China is trying to play it, how does Saudi Arabia try to play it? What's the real, what's the role of the, like the, those, the war in Yemen? He is following absolutely every single little uh, aspect of this. It's fascinating. And one, on one hand, it's sickening on the other, because it's really not about, you know, the principle of the matter, Monroe, it's all power politics. So we'll get into that before we get into that. I got to ask you this uh, kind of related to the story I was talking about, about Michael Flynn endorsing Gary Raybott. I told you about this before we went on uh, Congressman Mo Brooks running for Senate uh, in Alabama is about the biggest uh, MAGA man in the universe. He's got his head so far up Donnie Trump's behind. It's like, it's coming out of Donnie's mouth. He, he is just the biggest brown noser when it comes to Donald Trump. And so he's running as Donald Trump's guy in uh, Alabama in the race for Senate. And um, Donald Trump has turned on his Twitter handle endorsed by President Trump. Well, Trump has turned on him, Monroe. I told you this before we went on the air. Yeah. Trump has now dropped the endorsement. Uh, he said that uh, Mo Brooks went woke. That's what he said. He went woke because right. Mo Brooks uh, said at some point, maybe we should not be so obsessed with the 2020 election. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Mo Brooks. He must have walked into a wall or something. Uh, so now it looks like he's Trump is pulling the uh, endorsement. Yeah, well, Mo, Mo Brooks is um, <laughs> not as big a fool as he comes off as. And, and that, you know, he was at the rally. On January sixth, yes. yes, he was a speaker there, but underneath his yellow jacket was a bulletproof vest. Is that right? I didn't yes. know that. <laughs> so, so just in case, so so now that the um, January sixth committee is looking into all this, he probably went, "Oh, maybe I should have a different bulletproof vest." Before, before the committee shoots me. Yeah, no, I. Uh, uh, this is this is this this should be a lesson to all people. Get a little little too close to Donald Trump. He's not the most dependable man in the world. My guess has been right. I told you this before we went on here. I've been thinking about this. Uh, I believe that the polls show Mo Brooks is losing, and Donald Trump did not want. Uh, to have Mo Brooks lost uh, count against him because he's always talking about how his endorsement is the the most significant factor in any Republican primary, right? That's his in the primary. In the primary, yeah. Lose in general. Yeah, lose. Well, not so strong in the general, uh, but in a primary. And I would agree that of all the endorsements you can get uh, from Republicans these days, Donald Trump carries the most weight. But yeah. if he loses. If the voters rebel against Donald Trump and vote uh, for Katie Britt, who's running against uh, Mo Brooks, then he'll look bad. His credibility will be damaged. So he's looking for any excuse he can to desert and abandon Mo Brooks. And this is uh, the excuse he's come up with. Your thoughts on this? There's a book out. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it, but it's called Everything Trump Touches Dies. <laughs> And it's written by a former Republican. This is not a, a, a yeah, a, a never Trumper. It's written by, I forget his name, but he's an ad guy. Uh, Trump expects total commitment from you 
but he'll throw you under the bus in a New York second if he has to. Or just one day wakes up and says, I want to throw that Jim Jaroski under the bus. (laughs) He said something bad about me. He said something I didn't like. He was such a loyal follower up until then. Uh, I would have to be on the bus to be thrown under the bus. Uh, And uh, But all your points, well, Michael Cohen said that. Uh, Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's uh, former lawyer. And at one point, uh, the light went on. I guess when he was facing federal jail time or prison time, and all of a sudden he turned against Trump. And he said the well, biggest he's mistake ever made. Because Trump didn't try to do anything for it. Yeah. And in fact, he had been Trump's enforcer. And um, when Trump became president, he wanted to be on the White House staff at some place. And Trump wouldn't even do that. He didn't even hire him. Yeah. Or in fact, had Trump hired him, given he could have given him a fairly junior position, and he would have had him for life. But Cohen went to jail for Trump's crime. That was rigging the, uh, writing the checks for the women who were going to expose his affairs. Stormy. Yeah, Stormy. And, Stormy and Daniels. The play playmate. And the playmate. The playboy playmate, whose yeah. name I forget. But anyway, for the two of them, um, Trump wrote checks for him, took care of them, and, and, Cohen facilitated it. Yeah. And then when the feds came after him, Trump was indignant at first and was going to sue, et cetera, et cetera. But then he said, oh, well, Michael, good luck, buddy. Uh, I could go off on a whole tangent on that, but I'm going to get back to Katanji Brown Jackson because I really want to get your thoughts. Yeah, let's talk the, about somebody. Let's talk them. about that. I've been following that one very closely. Uh, and uh, at one level, it's just a fascinating um uh, insights into uh, offers fascinating insights into the Republican strategy, the Republican strategic political mind, uh, where they think America is right now, and how do they think they could solidify their support uh, and make inroads uh, into areas where independents live. And it's clear, uh, Monroe, from the questions they're asking Katanji uh, Brown Jackson, having absolutely really nothing to do uh, with like the law or legal precedents or anything. It's all politically staged. Uh, Clearly they think the winning ticket for them is to be against uh, critical uh, race theory, be against trans uh, and be uh, like for law and order. I think that would be uh, very safe to say your uh, thoughts. Well, before I answer that, I want to point out that uh, I think it was maybe three weeks ago, a month, I told you she was going to be uh, Biden's selection, that he had put her in office uh, 10 months ago so that she could be the nominee. Yeah, and you I predicted. And, right, and and seeing her, I, I, I didn't know her of, of her much, except I knew that she, they had done that maneuver. and But now seeing her uh, during this procedure she is very impressive and and the and the and the trump or the republicans what they are doing in fact is um not actually doing their job as senators 
uh, advise and consent. They aren't doing any of that. What they are doing is um, getting footage, video for their campaign, their, 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 their 2022 or 2024 campaigns. Uh, ads and so they they could be seen by the people they want to vote for taking on this um, this, this black woman and um, it's it's typical Republican yeah stuff. well it I think they've gone further than I can recall uh, them going in uh, Supreme Court. Uh, confirmation hearings. I'm really trying to think back the last time a, um, a Democrat uh, was up and I just don't remember the orchestrated attacks uh, as ferocious as they are now. I mean, go ahead. It's not, it's, it's Trump has transformed the party into like this monster now. And so they're there. They don't have a a platform. Republicans don't. They don't have a program. They're just Trump. Whatever Trump wants or stands for or says and MAGA. And it has um, nothing to do with truth, nothing to do with um, policy. It's just they are they they are against anything that Democrats or liberals stand for. Well, why don't we uh, listen to one particular excerpt? Uh, uh, Dennis, I can do my uh, Dave Glow ad submitation. Dennis, play Politico, Marsha Blackburn, women, and then uh, uh, we'll get uh, Monroe's response. So we're going to hear uh, uh, Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, orate and then uh, ask a question and Katanji Brown-Jackson's response. Go ahead, Dennis. Absolutely. Loaded up on my computer, Monroe. Nice haircut, buddy. Uh, yeah. Looking good. Yeah. Uh, Versus Virginia, the Supreme Court struck down VMI's male-only admission policy. Writing for the majority, Justice Ginsburg stated, supposed inherent differences are no longer accepted as a ground for race or national origin classifications. Physical differences between men and women, however, are enduring. The two sexes are not fungible. A community made up exclusively of one sex is different from a community composed of both. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator, Respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay. comment I, as to whether. All or right, not. I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and women as male and female? Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how. I interpret it. I need to read the whole okay. thing. Okay. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? <laughs> not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I 
address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Just last week, an entire generation of young girls watched as our taxpayer-funded institutions permitted a biological man to compete and beat a biological woman in the NCAA swimming championships. What message do you think this sends to girls who aspire to compete and win in sports at the highest levels? Senator, I'm not sure what message that sends. If, if you're asking me about the legal issues related to it, um, those are topics that are being hotly discussed, as you say, and I, could come to the court. So I'm and able to I think it tells our girls that their voices don't matter. I think it tells them that they're second-class citizens, and parents want to have a Supreme Court justice who is committed to preserving parental autonomy and protecting our nation's children. Wow. All right. Parental autonomy, autonomy and protecting our nation's children. And Monroe, I got to tell you this. I hear that. I'm, I hear that. And I just I almost want to throw up at the utter hypocrisy of Republicans, because I happen to know a thing or two about girls sports. And no Republican was at the front of the line fighting for girls' equity in sports. I can tell you that right now, okay? They're all right. hiding. All right. right. And the, the, definitely the descendants, uh, the antecedents of uh, the Marsha Blackburns weren't. They're maybe uh, moderate Republicans, maybe like a Richard Nixon Republican back in those days. You know what I'm saying? A moderate Republican. But it's such a joke how they're standing up uh, for girls' sports. Uh, but I have to say this, Monroe, and then I'm going to get your response. Part of me, I, I understand what uh, she's doing, uh, what uh, uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson is doing by not answering the question. But I, I wish we had open uh, conversations and dialogues and exchanges where she spoke to the issues, as opposed to her sort of ducking, ducking and dodging and evading the question. I, I understand that in the in the confirmation hearings, you don't answer directly. And I've watched so many Republican nominees do the same, but I wish it was, it wasn't. So your thoughts on that exchange. Actually, I think, I think you're right in that it is a discussion, a debate that um, would requires um, further discussion and exploration, but you're also right in, in that, um, They're hypocrites, total hypocrites on this. Yeah. And uh, so, Madeleine Albright died. Oh, Madeleine Albright died. Yeah, just breaking news. Breaking news, former uh, Secretary of State. Yeah. Uh, in uh, what was it, the uh, Clinton administration? Yes. Madeleine Albright uh, in the Clinton administration. 80, uh, 84. So 84 I'm, years I'm keeping old. up with those numbers now. Yeah, yes, you're not there yet. Young, young, young Lee Allen Jones doesn't care. 
No, he's young, man. Young. Lee Allen Jones, <laughs> our next guest. So Monroe, but you heard uh, Lee, Lee Allen Jones is joining us, uh, Green Party candidate, former Green Party candidate for Senate uh, in the state of Illinois, uh, journalist uh, in the state of Illinois, good friend of the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, and uh, so Lee Allen, you did not hear the clip, but uh, it was the one where Marsha Blackburn, uh, the senator of Tennessee, directly asked uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, uh, to define woman. Yeah. And she just refused to. She says, I can't um, render a definition of woman because uh, I have to see the context in which uh, legally uh, this uh, this definition uh, is being framed. Monroe, that yeah, is a no, duck and a dodge uh, of the highest was, No, as you say, you say it's a duck and dodge. I say that it was a trick question and she didn't get trapped by it. And there is a difference. Between what is the difference? You, you, you duck and dodge when it's legitimate. You don't want to answer it. But that one was a trick question, and it was BS in, in the way she presented it. Uh, in other words, you know, again, there could be, we probably should have a, a, a serious discussion on whether it's fair for uh, a woman with a lot of testosterone um, is allowed to uh, compete against women with not so much testosterone. Well, I, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, she's alluding to uh, Leah Thomas, who is a swimmer. I think it's the University of Pennsylvania uh, and won the um, the Ivy League championship uh, swimming uh, in the women's competition. Uh, I uh, Listen, what the way uh, Katanji Brown Jackson answered that question is the way uh, all judicial nominees answer questions these days. Right. Uh, and they studiously avoid taking any kind of uh, issue or taking any kind of stance that could be held against them uh, or might suggest they be, have a. Uh, be used against, be yeah. weaponized. There's more than held against, this weaponized. Or, or, be, or lead open to the accusation that they have a preconceived notion about how they would rule or they have uh, that their personal opinion, the feelings will be uh, a consideration. And the biggest, I remember this uh, with a cop, I remember definitely Clarence Thomas being asked about abortion. Do you remember that Monroe? Mm -hmm. He was like, I have no thoughts. I'd never thought about something like right. that. Like, Are you kidding me? They chose you because they knew you were uh, anti-abortion. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll take a case by case. So it's an old game, right Monroe? Yeah. I, uh, Roberts only called balls and strikes. Yeah. Remember? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's bring Lee Allen Jones and get his thoughts before we switch to uh, Ukraine, the war, and the geopolitical considerations. Lee Allen Jones, uh, do you agree with M Monroe that Katanji Brown Jackson was very skillful, uh, skillfully handling Republicans' nonsense questions, or do you think she uh, was ducking and dodging? Go. I think she is in a situation where she knows that those Republicans uh, that are questioning her are playing to the base and she's not allowing herself to be anything more uh, to the story. And so, yeah, she, she's doing a good job of navigating, uh, you know, the, the, the partisanship that she's in the midst of. Well put. Uh, and for once, uh, Monroe and Lee Allen Jones agree on something. Uh, and we, we agree a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's uh, shift to a uh, conversation about uh, the ongoing uh, war in Ukraine. Uh, 
and the larger geopolitical considerations. Uh, it's not just for that area, but for the entire world. Uh, Monroe, you wanted to start off by talking about uh, uh, an analogy that has been brewing in your mind for a, while, a long time between uh, the tactics of uh, Putin and the tactics of Republican politicians uh, here in the United States. So why don't you take the floor? Uh, well, actually, well, it's Republicans, but specifically is Trump. Uh, Putin and Trump are two peas in a, in a pot. The only difference between them that I can ascertain is that Putin kills and Trump just lets people die. Uh, but that's a big difference. You know, Trump and COVID and Putin and his, uh, his war on Ukraine. But they both, they lie. They both, where, wherever they're going, they, anybody, anybody who doesn't agree with them, they, well, Trump throws them under the bus figuratively. Uh, Putin throws them under the bus literally. Uh but I mean, it's the same tactics, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm wondering and hoping that it, it will become, as this war continues and more and more white people die, that it will become obvious to white Americans that that tactic over there is the same th thing being used over here. Wow. Well, first of all, I don't know if uh, many Americans would disapprove of that tactic, but Lee Allen, what's your thoughts on uh, what Monroe had to say? Uh, I don't, I mean, it's a really difficult comparison when you take into consideration that uh, there are a lot more things in play right now than on the surface, on the geopolitical level. As, I, as I've mentioned to you, I've been trying to spend a lot more time looking at the international following of it, and it's just not the same uh, coverage that we're getting here domestically, especially in India uh, and their relationships and with Modi uh, and seeing how this is going to play out with China. Um, I think it's I think it's. It's it's a lot of devastation. It's a lot of devastation. So I mean, the the hyperbole does nothing for the people that are suffering. Almost uh, the almost three million refugees. It, it's a it's a very uh, dangerous situation uh, to be playing politics with. Well, I will before we get into uh, the, the the reality on the ground. I do believe Monroe has a very valid point in terms of uh, uh, how we are how we how truth is bent. Uh, and distorted at all times. And it's very hard to really just figure out what exactly is going on. Uh, and uh, I do believe it's some of the same propaganda methods uh, that are being employed uh, by Putin or uh, shared by Donald Trump. So I'm, I'm with you on that one, uh, Monroe. At the same time, Lee Allen, uh, you're absolutely correct when you point out that the way the United States uh, sees the war is far different uh, the way it's been portrayed uh, elsewhere in the world. And I, I know this in part, Monroe, because Lee Allen sends me clips from all over the world of different points of view, of uh, different analysis of the war. Uh, and yes, uh, Lee Allen, before we get into uh, sort of like the, the maneuverings going on with India and China, uh, Israel, et cetera, and so forth, and how they're dealing with uh, Saudi Arabia, key player in all this, um, you're absolutely cor correct. Uh, in the United States, it's viewed as uh, Putin's war. This is how I view it. Uh, just an inexcusable 
act of aggression uh, that's resulted in the loss of innocent lives. And yet I've seen coverage, like you said, in India, where it's like, well, you know, Putin had a point there. Uh, he was provoked into doing this. Uh, so it's like two different worldviews, uh, Lee Allen, depending on where you are. And I think, you know, it's uh, to me, I think it's being played out like a Disney movie. It's almost like Zelensky is um, Simba and uh, he's fighting against Scar, who is Putin. And I think that's what makes it so much dangerous in terms of how the American people frame this. And as I've mentioned it to you, uh, there are a lot of things that are in play with what's going on in the Ukraine, because it's actually a proxy war now. And my and my greatest fear is with all of these weapons that are flowing into that theater of operation, that that it's going to escalate a situation that really shouldn't have even started because it's going to end at the negotiating table. And it should have never, ever gotten to uh, to the conflict that it has where you I mean, this is going to be a, this is going to take decades to fix you know, depending on how long prolonged it is. I mean, if you look at Mariupol and look at the devastation that the weapons that the uh, that that Russia has and what they're unleashing on these cities, what are you negotiating but piles of rocks if you don't stop the war right now? And so I don't know what Zelensky's aim is. I mean, they're fighting for land that is going to be very undeveloped, and these weapon systems are really just marketing tools right now for future conflicts, and that's my greatest fear. So do you th- what so what do you think Zelensky should be doing that he's not doing? I think Zelensky should have never got into this situation to begin with. I think that when those troops were on the border and they sat there, I think they started that the, the military exercises in April of 2021, that should have been a sign that negotiations needed to be very serious and very transparent because right now you have created a humanitarian crisis uh, of significant proportion, and you already have significant uh, world crisis world crisis going on right now. Like right now, we're not talking about Yemen. There's a there's a, a, a you know the Saudis are unleashing you know American weapons on Houthis in Yemen based upon the same logic as Putin. So I don't want to get caught in the emotions of it because you know they're suffering going on around the world, and we should have dealt with this at the negotiating table. And the United States should have been very clear to Zelensky that this is a matter that needed to be negotiated negotiated and didn't need to be escalated into a hot conflict. What do you think Zelensky could have uh, given, if you will, in a negotiation uh, to Putin that would have forestalled on this uh, invasion? I think they had the Minsk two agreements on the table, and I think that was the recognition of Crimea as being a part of Russia, which they voted on and was over 80 percent, if I recall that. And the fact that the fighting that was going on in Donbass and Lunes with the separatists, they'd be looked at as independent Republicans. Now, those things may be far in, you know, what what Zelensky's going to have to negotiate now is the fact that this country could be landlocked if uh, the war that's going on in the south of the country that's right now from Mariupol, if they get to care on in Odessa and they landlocked the country, they could, you know, that that's going to be a significant part of, of uh, you know, Ukraine's economy to be independent. So I think Putin now is going, is going to go all in because he knows that Zelensky doesn't have anything to negotiate from because they're surviving right now with defensive weapon systems. And, you know, the more that, you know, the West tries to put more weapon systems in there to become more offensive, that's when I think you get to a point where you can look at the possibility of tactical nuclear weapons being used. All right, before we get to nuclear weapons, Monroe, get way in on this one. Do you think there's stuff that uh, Zelensky could have uh, given to Putin early on that would have uh, uh, made it, uh, avoided all the conflict that's followed? 
Yes, his life, his soul, his country. <laughs> but other than that, no. Uh, Putin, Putin is trying to make Russia great again. He has this whole vision of being the next great Russian leader, a la Peter the Great and Stalin. And he wants to go down. He's looking at his legacy. He's 69 years old. And so he wants his legacy as being this great Russian leader. The problem is because he 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 is para, uh, pandemic paranoid. He's been isolated for the past two years, and even before then, anybody who told him something he didn't want to hear uh, paid for it one way or the other. Uh, so all of his people there was there was one uh, Russian general who said that uh, there are. are people who would rather kill Putin than come to him with the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, he has this vision in his head and he's, he, he's, he's trying to fulfill it. It's too late. He screwed up royally. First of all, his army wasn't nearly as good as he thought it was. They would talk about how the Russian army was 10 feet tall. Now they're saying maybe it's six. Um, he he thought from what his people were telling him to make him happy to please him that uh, the Ukrainians loved Russia and loved him and he could he could bring the army into town and they would be throwing rose petals at him yeah. and, and welcoming them with open arms and that was completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, he didn't take Zelensky seriously. For good reason, a former uh, comedian who had whose claim to fame uh, up until the war was that, that uh, he had a TV show where he he played the president of Ukraine, uh, and he was um, a, a, he was a a playing card in in Trump's attempt to get Ukraine to dirty up Biden during the election. Yeah. But so Putin Putin didn't take any of this seriously. Uh, now, I mean his army is he's lost a tenth of his army already in the war. Um he's not been able to advance on the ground whatsoever. Uh so what 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 he keeps so Putin the way Putin fights war is the old fashioned way. You you just uh, kill civilians and um, and anybody else until everybody uh, resigns, right? Yeah. Uh, just gives up. But uh, I'm going to kick it to you, Leon, for response. But I got to say this: I hear what you're saying, Monroe, about how people uh, underestimate Zelensky because he was a former. Uh, he's an actor, and I just have yeah. to laugh that people in this country have that attitude. We just elected Donald Trump. Oh, I know. He was a reality TV. He wasn't even a, a, a credible actor. He was just a right. reality TV show. And before right. that, before Leala was born, we elected Ronald Reagan, who was he doing commercials. Actor. Uh, right. a, a, a B actor. So it's like, who's Selling Geritol. Selling Geritol. and Geritol. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one? What did you say? The other Ovutain one? and Geritol. Yeah. So it's like, who? I mean... I would say that acting uh, is a good uh, uh, career to go into if you want to go into politics. 
because you got to read a but script. But they say he was a lawyer. He was in law school, and that's how he uh, got into uh, politics. He was actually in law school and became part of some theater group. So he actually has a background in law. So he's just not an actor. I think that's just something he fell into. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so Lee Allen, uh, anyway, you want to respond in any way what Monroe had to say about, uh, I mean, I listen, I listen to what he said and it's like, I've sent you all of that media on what's been said outside of the talking points of the country. And I don't think other people perceive it that way. I think some people would say that Putin was really uh, pragmatic about trying to lessen the civilian. And I'm not, I don't, I don't have a broker on either side. I'm only giving the information from the other side to give a counterpoint. And they're saying that if he just went in and didn't take into account the civilian casualties, that this could have been over with within the time frame that he wanted to, because they have overwhelming military power. You know, it, the, 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 they, they have overwhelming military forces, almost like saying that we were bogged down when we went into Iraq. And it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, Madeleine Albright, the sanctions that, and the war that we had on, Iraq were devastating to a civilian population. There were significant death. There was significant everything. So, I mean, in war, war in and of itself has an art, and that's called propaganda. So we really don't know if he's lost a tenth of his soldiers. We don't know. We we don't. This is his war. He's prosecuting it the way that he sought forth. And I mean, even listening to former General Petraeus, they all know that they would like this to get ended on the negotiating table because there's no way that the Ukrainians have the capacity to stop uh, the the magnitude of force that the, the Russians can bring to the table. And as you say, if they did lose 10,000, they said that really a lot of those troops that they sent out initially were conscripts. These may not even be the 18. I mean, this may be, you know, this may be, I think these are conscripts. six generals. It's the 18. I don't, we don't know that. It's, it's all, yeah, part. we, we have no names. You, I don't, you I don't, think I don't, we, names we don't even know. Putin is such a killer. We don't know if he could have wanted those people killed anyway we don't know the facts of this until we know the facts and until then we could all never know the facts know that uh all these people are dying all these cities have been destroyed and they're going to continue to be destroyed that's what we see every night is that that right now the human the human tragedy is unfolding before our eyes. And so the facts of the war are things that we can't verify. But what I do know is that they, the Ukrainians don't have a weapon better than the negotiating table. They, they don't have what? They don't have a weapon stronger than the negotiating table. In other words, you're saying that. Wars end either in a stalemate or victory. And I don't, so, looking at, looking and, at right and, now. And he if can't he, win. Putin cannot win this war. But what is winning for Putin? He, the, 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 I mean, have you seen the videos coming out of these? I mean, they have people killing dogs and eating dogs. I mean, it is it is a human tragedy going on in the Ukraine right now. And I don't I really feel uncomfortable talking about it in the comfortable place where I'm at right now. People's lives are being affected tremendously for a political discourse that we're having. The only the, the greatest weapon the Ukrainian has and Zelensky has is the negotiating table. That's what everybody else is saying around the world. They're saying if the United States had not provoked this confrontation, it would have never gotten the to this United point. United States did not provoke. How did the United States provoke? I'm saying what they're saying internationally. I'm no, saying this China has not. It's not an international discussion. First of all, Europe is not, not saying this at all. NATO is not saying this at all. 
Oh, the Chinese are, are kind of half saying it because they <laughs> want to, they, they plan to, to get Taiwan. So this was a test run for them to see if they could go in. Without a doubt. And that's what I'm saying. So how is it not a global discussion? How is it not a global? China, if China would, had something to say against uh, Russia right now, that could probably stem the tide for Putin and say, hey, maybe yeah, I got no, and, a and, Yeah, and, they and they're not going to do it, will. though. Yeah, they're no, not they going to do it, though. They may. They, they, there's a good chance. They, they've been waffling back and forth. Now and they're that, trying to come off as people. Are you talking about China? You're talking, yeah, you're talking China. about China. Yeah. Well, yeah, reality, that is reality. The, the, and this is, let's just remove, everything you said is absolutely true about the horror. I think we all three agree. Right. The absolute horror of what's going on in Ukraine now and Yemen. Let's, yeah, you mentioned that, put that out there. But, in the world today, and this is what is so disturbing on top of everything else, it's it's not the horror that stops people. Do you get what I'm saying? It's when the horror is magnified for for reasons beyond the fighting itself. And so there are these geopolitical games that have caused the world to concentrate on Ukraine and ignore, ignore what's going on in Yemen and ignore what's going on in uh, African countries where there's slaughter. You, yeah, know this, Leo, they're, they're, you know this, Leon. You know this, Monroe. There are six African the Palestinians. I mean, they, the, the Palestinians have been throwing rocks at, at the Israelis expanding in their territory for the last 30 years. For 30 years. And so we see this over and over again. So uh, I feel as though what's happening in Ukraine is uh, unique in that it has just completely dominated the world's attention the world's focus. And so now it's as though you, since you can't ignore it like you do uh, in other parts of the world, then you must come up with your, some kind of solution. Otherwise, essentially we're toler uh, tolerating slaughter. And I don't see a solution right now. Now you talk about the negotiating I, table. I, Monroe, I, go ahead. Okay. I see the solution as being the um, Julius Caesar solution. That um, one of his one one of his generals is going to either shoot him in the head or poison him. Uh, who, who, what general was going to kill George Bush or assassinate George Bush during the Iraq invasion? That's not a good. That's not. That's not a good. But but they, but they were both in breaches on people's sovereign government, weren't they? Yes, we were we were indiscriminately targeting citizens. A citizen. We don't know that. We don't know that. That's what I'm saying. When you look at the international, when you look at the internet, what about phosphorus bombs? I'm only I'm only retorting what I've heard internationally. There are journalists that are saying in other parts of the world that they saw evidence of the United States using phosphorus bombs in Iraq. What, what journalists were, were these? Indian journalists said they saw phosphorus bombs being used in Iraq. So what he's saying is were, were war crimes committed uh, in... Oh, no, they are right. No, there, there are war crimes. Uh, the difference between... And, and we, you know, I'm not... I mean, torturing, uh, torture was one of them that was, that, that, that was committed. But there is a difference between killing... Um, an entire nation. Basically, what that what Putin is doing right now is he's he's killing 
and destroying an entire nation because he wants this empire. I don't, like I said, I'm listening to the international response and the international response is saying we have seen America go to war uh, under false pretense for almost a century. I mean, what was the Gulf of Tonkin? We shouldn't have even had the Vietnam conflict now that we know that the Gulf of Tonkin was a staged event. We we went to war against Cuba uh, based upon, what was it, the Maine? Wasn't that uh, uh, Hertz talked about, you know, we fought for the Maine against, uh, to start the Spanish-American oh, War about, in okay, Cuba? Yeah, yeah that was in Cuba. Yeah, in 1890. Yeah, I, when, you, when, you, when you first said that, I thought, oh, you're talking about? Uh, the Remember the main, yeah, was Bay the, of Pigs, was, yeah, but no, you're talking the, about eighteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the war that started the span. That was a false flag operation based upon. So we, the geopolitics right now. What I'm worried about is, is that that we could come out of this. And I mentioned this when you called me earlier, Ben. Is the fact that you know the, the American dollar is the thing that I think people have to pay attention to right now because if you get China, Russia, India possibly uh, one of those other South American countries, you can begin to decouple the dollar as the, as the global currency, which has been the standard since Brenton Woods. And I think that right now the, the, we, we're so insulated to our foreign policy in this country that we don't tend to look that there's an old world order that can be forming out of this that could have dramatic consequences on how we live our domestic lives. Well, uh, I'll put it to you this way. Right now, uh, I do not believe, going back to what Monroe said, that that's a viable solution to this. Uh, I That sounds like what something Lindsey Graham said about us going back to uh, assassinating Putin. I just don't, I don't think you can like, expect that that's going to happen. I don't think you should push that's for that. How, that's, that's, that's historically, that's what's happened with Russian leaders. Is that they, they, it, it gets to a point where somebody just steps in and kills them some kind of way? Well, I'm trying to. It, it, uh, you may now uh, not literally kill them, but uh, I remember Khrushchev was moved off the scene in my life, yeah. in my lifetime, not right. d- murder. Uh, and uh, Brezhnev was kind of moved off the scene, but uh, I, I can't recall a murder uh, ever happening. And I just no, don't think this, a, goes, this goes back further than that. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I don't believe uh, the question I put there is there any hope for negotiation right now uh, and out to just stop the uh, bombardment? I don't see any hope, any glimmer even uh, on the horizon. Uh, I don't either. You know, because this is how killing civilians and bombing hospitals and bombing schools is how Putin commits war. I did. I, I just have to take it back on that. When you go back and you look at Operation Rolling Thunder, when, when we bomb, how was that like a six or seven year bombing campaign that we bombed Laos? Uh, I want to say we bombed. What was the, the bombings in Kosovo? Like sixty days when in in the war in uh, Bosnia. I mean, it's it's horrific because we get to see it in HD and we get to be comfortable with it. But I always look at this and try to see what will history say about this. And I guarantee you, history will come back to this event. 
And it will be no different than the other, uh, you know, wars that we've seen in this country and around the world. There were opportunities to de-escalate. We don't know that. We, we, yeah, we, we do, we do know that Zelensky didn't sign those Minsk two agreements. And it, it and right now the whole, and you said that it wasn't about NATO, uh, NATO the last time we talked about this before it escalated. You said it wasn't about NATO. Yeah, now that I go back and I look at the, the big new Brzezinski, even the big new Brzezinski, before he passed away, whose son Mark Brzezinski is now the ambassador to Poland, they said that that we that NATO that that there needs to be neutrality in Ukraine, just like in Finland. And it is it is in the Ukrainian constitution that they're going to be a member of NATO, and they were seeking to be a part of the EU when they need to be neutral. And so that's what I go back to. If Zelensky could have signed Minsk too, then yes, it would have made Putin to be worse than what he is right now. But he didn't leave himself the diplomacy that was on the table to cover his back in terms of saying, hey, we're going to do everything in our power not to escalate this situation so that we can avoid the the human tragedy that's occurring right now. Mm. Now, he didn't think, okay, first of all, let's let's get this straight. Zelensky nor the Ukrainian people thought that Putin would actually attack them. They've had a war going on since 2014 over Crimea and with, with the Russians. They've had that a shooting war going on, but it was confined to that. And Russia, they have a history where Russia threatens them all the time. They did not, in their wildest dreams, think that Putin would go as far as he has. Um, so, I mean... Up until like uh, days before the, the bombing started, they had normal stuff going on in Ukraine. Like they were shopping and and going to restaurants and just living their life as they had done it until it started. And they had no idea. Twenty uh, percent of Ukrainians have Russian uh, relatives and connections. Mm. They they think of themselves. This this would be like Illinois and Indiana, over, over uh, going at each other from from there. It's just civil war. <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, I have to tell you, uh, listen to this uh, this conversation here, and just thinking like, how would I explain this to uh, a ten year old? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you want to you want to position what you do in terms of right and wrong. Okay, and I'm looking. I'm thinking like the the way the United States right now uh, uh, is trying to build a, a worldwide coalition against Putin and his invasion, and having to reach out to countries that are themselves doing things that are very difficult to justify. I'm watching what's going on the the diplomacy, if you will, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, Monroe and Lee Allen and the United States trying to win over Saudi Arabia by giving them arms uh, at the same time, looking the other way at what Saudi Arabia is doing in Yemen and uh, and having uh, killed uh, uh, Khashoggi, the uh, journalist. You know, and I, I you know, yeah, what I mean? don't, don't, Ben, they just, you know, mass executed 81 people. I want to say within the last 96 hours, I believe. Yeah. 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 They were convicted of something or other. Uh, and I have convicted in quotes. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a very cynical game. I think both of you would agree. Uh, when you get into uh, this arena, it's a very, I think she, I mean, I talk about Chicago politics a lot and how cynical 
that is. But generally speaking, as Monroe pointed out, the stakes aren't people are not getting slaughtered uh, by Chicago uh, political wars. And like we're seeing on this scale uh, in um, what well, in any way. Uh, and so the cynicism is really difficult uh, to make sense of Lee Allen. And I hear what you're saying. Like you can't stand up for a principle if your own country does not uphold those principles. You follow? So that's why it gets back to what are you going to teach a 10 year old about this Monroe? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you going to teach a 10 year old if they are relatively well read? I know most people aren't relatively well read, but you follow what I'm saying? It's, it's really difficult to uphold a principle uh, in a conflict like this when we see such with really cynical acts of quote unquote diplomacy. And yet Lee Allen and Monroe, that's our only hope. You're exactly right. I think it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, I think of the image that keeps coming to my head is the, the, the girl, the naked Vietnamese girl, when they bombed, when they did the, um, the napalm bomb and they showed her running that real famous picture. Yeah. That picture has been in my mind, this entire conflict Considering now that it, I think that when we look at the racial component of it and we see these, you know, Christian white people uh, dealing with this conflict in the way that they have, I think that's what's jarring uh, the, the, the national discussion because, you know, people are internalizing what they're seeing on TV. You're seeing, you know, families fleeing. You're seeing, you're just seeing a lot of human devastation and you're seeing it being done. Um, in ways that it, it has never been done. I mean, but then I go back to it. I think I sent you the piece that I wrote about um, about you know telling the radical truth. I mean, we have this in our history. I don't know. We know what did the trail? What would the trail of tears have looked like if we could have saw that up close? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and, and and that was an American president that did that. What when we think about what we did to build this country and what the Civil War looked like and what we did to Native Americans. What do you, you know, that's how you explain it. We've been here and it's a civil war that's going on in that part of the world and it's devastating. And so I think that's where we start our discussion from and saying, hey, that we've it's been here. Ukraine, Ukraine is an independent country. It's not a civil war going on there. It's an invasion. And the reason NATO was formed was to prevent Europeans from taking over each other's uh Borders invading. Wouldn't Jefferson Davis say the same thing, Monroe? Wouldn't he say that? You know, what? what would Jefferson Davis have said about the South? Wouldn't he have said that was an invasion? Yeah, it was. N- no, he, he from their perspective, but the, but that was a civil war. That was a they war of secession. They were, yeah, that was a secession. That's what he would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. but, but I didn't care about what Jefferson Davis would say, just saying that. But he wouldn't call it an invasion. He would call it a war of secession. They right. fired yeah. the first shots in the Civil War, were fired by the South. Right. At Fort Sumner. And uh, so that was a, a war of secession where slave owners declared war on the United States of America because they didn't want to have to give up their slaves. Right. That's and what that is, was. And, and, and in this scenario, scenario and what this scenario today, they, they, Sorry, they Monroe, say? in Southern schools, it's a, the war of Northern aggression. It's not a civil war. They don't teach it that way. 
Well, I had a friend of mine that's a teacher that said her family came from Odessa and that the family considered that. And this is going back, you know, to their family history. The family was from Odessa and she and they're Jewish. She said that the father considered themselves Russian because they felt like being Ukrainian was of a lower standard. And that's her family narrative that she introduced to me. And so I don't necessarily I'm not an expert on that part of the world, but they do have a a huge ethnic relationship that's bound in a common history, so to speak. So I don't I don't know that it is in the Civil War because they are there's so much ethnic uh, connection between both peoples that this is an internal conflict. And so I think we should have never. It's not an internal conflict. I, listen, based upon, listen, when we look at Zelensky, what, what was, where was the Ukraine at on the corruption list in the world before this happened? Why weren't they able to get into the EU? Okay, because look, it, because it had been Russian and it had been corrupt. It had been, they had, they had a lot of corruption, corruption in there. After, they had a lot of corruption in there. Wait, right. Leah, Leah, Allen, you are right. really going down. Right. You're really going down some uh, no, difficult roads no, here. All I'm saying is this. They didn't get the support from the EU because they had a great deal of corruption going on in and, that and part of the used, world. It, and, and Zelensky was, was, was cleaning up the corruption. You know what? Even if Zelensky was corrupt, yeah, I'm just gonna just end this right now. Right. Even if Zelensky was corrupt, even if Zelensky was as corrupt as the most corrupt Chicago politician, if he had his whole family on the payroll, okay, it, and it was not, I, I'm not saying it justifies it anything. Does not justify what I don't. Th- I'm not done. trying to justify it. What I'm saying is this: he, if if he knows, that, like you said, Maroon, I want to go back to your point. Okay. You said that there was no way that Zelensky and them would have thought that he would have in, invaded, right? There's no way that you you said that, right? Those are your words, right? And they're yeah, wild. They, they, they never didn't thought think he would do it, right? They didn't think he would That's do it. Poor leadership. What? That's poor leadership. They were there since April of 2021 doing military operations on that them. border. Yeah, we were based on, we interna- were based on US, international. The U- wait, the they U.S. was Go telling them. them. That Russia was going to invade. Zelensky, his his lieutenants, generals, politicians, his citizens, nobody thought that, that the Russians would actually do it because they thought of the, the they thought of themselves as as relatives, literally, and they didn't think he would do it. They thought it, it was a a political move, a, a, a bluff of some sort. For, to, to to make sure that that uh, Crimea, which he, which Putin took in twenty fourteen, would uh, just be uh, consolidated. It would become part of Russia. They thought that was what he was. He was one of his bargaining chips yeah. that he was doing. They, they, in their wildest dreams, they think. That's- Did you hear reports about the CIA being there training? people to fight like they're fighting to fight a guerrilla warfare that would there have been CIA retired CIA people that were training military forces in the Ukraine prior to this. Have you heard mercenaries? Uh, no, that they were training that the CIA had, had retired. I don't know if they're active. They, they were training though. Huh? huh? 
You talking well, about mercenaries? Yeah, if they're retired CIA. Wait, hold on. If they're retired, if you're talking about retired CIA operatives training people, then they're mercenaries. If you're talking about current CIA operatives, then they're acting uh, at the bequest of the CIA, and and then uh, so you, presumably uh, the Biden administration or the Trump administration, whoever is in the charge, presumably. Uh, but now you're in another world of uh, secret operative movements. Uh, so I work from the assumption, Lee Allen, that at any given time, the CIA is capable, having lived through a lot of CIA opera- operations in my lifetime, is CIA is very capable of having ongoing operations in countries that they don't tell us about. And that's a reality. And, I think and, and, agrees with us on this point, that it's happening all, all the time. Uh, I don't know what relevance it has to Putin invading uh, Ukraine. I know that Putin has his operations all over the world, uh, and so and he 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 meddled he meddled in our election. Yes, in including one right here in the United States. Right, exactly in 2016, <laughs> he meddled in yeah. our election. He's been meddling in um, European elections. Uh, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's. He, I mean, I think it's a, the national security that community, right? When you say one, I don't think there's a collective. Entity there, right? You, when you say Putin, it's very easy to go to counter that argument. When you look at our, we we interfere in a lot of things in this country. You I mean, like you got to think when you're when you're at the top of the <laughs> food chain. Like Trump, no, not that, what are you talking about? You just then we just agreed about how Putin was a killer. I'm not listening. people too. No, Lee Allen, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I'll put it to you this way: if you use the way Donald Trump did uh, the history of the United States, just cynically uh, make reference to we've done bad things in the world as an excuse to condone what Putin is doing. Right. That I'm is, not condoning it. My whole I'm, I'm just saying that's no, what no, Trump did. Really, my whole premise was yeah. that the negotiating table is the most powerful weapon we have. And the longer that we avoid using that weapon, the more we're going to continue to see death. Lee Allen, Putin has said um, the only negotiation he wants to hear is that Ukraine uh, surrenders and becomes part of Russia. And once that happens, then he's going to move on to Poland and some some other neighbor countries that used to be. Part of the Soviet Union. Well, if, if that be the case, he's he's still going to win. I mean, he's going to win Ukraine through attrition. Do you oh, think Ukraine? I mean, he'll win the Ukraine battle through attrition. No, he's well, he's not going to win. No, Ukraine is not going to do that. All right, here, here's, this is, no, listen, you're saying that they can. I'm saying the man has ties. Okay, All right. we're, we're, we'll we'll end the Ukraine uh, portion of this conversation because it's. Because uh, I want to uh, get to the Chicago portion, uh, which is as, almost as cynical, but not as horrific. Uh, and um, so uh, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, my greatest fear that this ratchets up to a nuclear uh, confrontation. Right. God help us all. Exactly. Uh, I didn't think this was going to happen. Uh, I'm getting a little worried, Monroe. And yeah. uh, do you share my uh, fear well, that, about this? I said that a week or two ago. That, yeah. that, that was my fear. Uh, and even and this is even a greater fear because I think it's a greater possibility of it happening soon is a cyber war. 
So and so I, I'm starting gradually to stock water and and, and canned foods uh, in case we don't have electricity uh, or water in Chicago in a week or two. Because if, if a, a cyber war breaks out, then who knows where that goes and how it works. Well, I know I'll be going to Monroe's house. Uh, every, uh, a little gallows humor there. Ding dong. Hey, Joyce. Hey, Monroe. I've I've got a three three fifty seven here loaded. That's only about what six shots. Ready to discourage unwanted visitors. Okay, Lee Allen and I will be knocking on the door. Hey, Monroe, you home? Nope, not home. Uh, no. It'd be like. Um, and uh, night of the living dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like these. The Koreans. You know, but what's funny? You know what's funny, Ben? What? Uh, you know how they always they have the nuclear clock. It's getting close to midnight. It has not moved, and I'm yes, trying it to figure it, it, it's yeah. moved. I know yeah. I've been looking. It, it's moved. I know up, up like at the beginning of the conflict it hadn't. So I'm glad that it has because I know initially I was like, wow, how hasn't the, you know the nuclear midnight? How yeah. has it not moved with, at a conflict with this many tentacles? Yeah, no, it's scary time. And uh, all right, I, before it gets too more uh, depressing, uh, let's close with a little Chicago political talk, which is always fun to talk about when you think about uh, the nuclear apocalypse, the potential nuclear apocalypse at the end of the world as we know it. Very uh, gloomy subject and topic. Uh, so uh, I, I kind of uh, let uh, this cat out of the bag with Lee Allen Monroe. I didn't talk about this with you. Yeah. Uh, this is an obsession of mine local obsession of mine, the Chicago casino. Yes. Uh, and today's newspaper, uh, we're, we're going to really leave Ukraine behind for the moment. Uh, today's okay. newspapers are filled with stories that the city of Chicago has announced. The mayor of the city of Chicago has announced that Chicago has three potential sites. She looked at all the different potential sites and analyzed the pros and the cons, brought her advisors in. They did a thorough uh, objective analysis, and they whittled it down to three sites, uh, two of them on the in the South Loop and one uh, on the near north side of Monroe, uh, not too far from where you live. Uh, and those are the well, three I, sites. I, I, I wasn't, wasn't there a, a, a possibility of one being next to Soldier's Field? Well, that's one of the sites. Uh, there's three sites. So one is across the street from Soldier Field. Right. Uh, uh, it's part of a development that has not been built yet. And I don't even know if the money is there for it. You're talking uh, about the one central or are you talking about the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the, where the hospital used to be Michael Reese. No, Michael so, Reese is not a site. Michael Reese is being developed already a whole totally yeah. different development. Yeah. Uh, this is a central, I forget what it's called. One central is one central. One central. One, one central. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one. And then yeah. there's what they call the 78 which I call Resco Field because Tony Resco used to own it. And it's on Clark and Roosevelt. Follow me on this. It's a huge yeah, track right. of undeveloped land right. that's been talked about being developed since Tony Resco owned it back in the O's. And then there's the former, this is not too far from where Monroe lives. Uh, it's the, where the Tribune printing plant is uh, on Halstead. Uh, that area is being considered. So it's sort of near the Lincoln Yards uh, development on the, the near north side. So those are the three sites right. that the mayor has supposedly reduced it to. And there's a part of my, even though I was not uh, born in Chicago and raised in Chicago, Lee Allen and Monroe, I've lived here so long 
that I become so jaded and so I have such a knee jerk uh, disbelief of anything that City Hall says that in the back of my mind, I think we're all being played. And that, in fact, there has already been a site picked for the well, casino. Yeah, that's a good possibility. <laughs> I don't know that, but I would not be surprised. Monroe, this is this is like shooting a, uh, a, a what is like hitting a of a, um, a volleyball with a bat. It, we all know that this is an inside deal. This this is the city of inside Dylan. So in other words, are you telling me that neither one of you believes that the mayor of the city of Chicago is being truthful when she says, I studied this. I've spent the last months deep in thought about this. I've looked at all the pros and the cons and I've whittled it down to three. And you two cynics think that she already made up her mind without the study. Is that what you're telling me? Because (laughs) there was money to be made off of the study. A study was done, you know. <laughs> but, but now, but now that the study is finished, then some <laughs> lawyers got to be paid to figure out how to um, decide whatever the hell the study said where they want the thing oh, to go. Lord. And, and then the lawyers will present it that way, and uh, it'll be, oops. <laughs> The thing is, that the site has to win a re-election. That's what I would boil it down to. Wherever this site goes, it has to be good enough to help her win a re-election. You buy that, Monroe? I yeah, yeah. That that could be a factor. Although at this point, she doesn't have any serious competition, so I, I'm not sure she's worried about that. My my guess is the site is going. Um, where the movers and shakers in this city wanted it to go, wanted to go. And I don't know where that is. Uh, if the, the, um, the one on Halstead is right across from the Tribune printing press. Well, not, it would go where the printing press is. So the Are printing press, take, yeah, they, they would demolish the printing, the printing press and put the casino there. Oh, and, really? Yeah, that's the, that's the plan. And so if I had to put money on it in Vegas, and it is a casino, so maybe yeah. I could put money in the Chicago casino, uh, I would say it's going to go at Roosevelt and Clark in the South Loop. And yeah, the reason I say that, they already have a TIF that they designated for that area. Uh, they don't have an anchor uh, for the development that they've been really ambitious to put there. So my guess is, if I, the and, and it would fortify the development of the South Loop. What's that, Monroe? Right, and it's close to public transportation, so that you could just uh, take take the L or, or bus to get there. You don't have yeah. to do a superstructure for that. If you, uh, if you, yeah, yeah. Although, although the the um, Halstead, where 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 the Tribune Printing Press is, is close enough, but the other location is much better. It's it's south the South Loop. It helps the South Loop. Develop. Yeah. Um, I don't. They're going to catch it. They've been planning. There, there have been plans to put it uh, near the stadium in that area near McCormick Place. I mean, near Soldier Field. Yeah, Soldier. Yeah, near Soldier Field, McCormick Place in that area. Just in time for the Bears to go to Arlington Heights. Yeah. Uh, which they will go to. And uh, right. I, I will tell you this, and see if either one of you push back on this. 
the stated purpose of the the casino is to raise money uh, to pay pension obligations. The money has already been committed that Chicago's portion of their pension proceeds will go to firefighter and police pensions. I will submit to you, uh, to quote Harold Washington, that there could not be a worse way to raise money to pay for your pension obligations than encouraging people to gamble. I would say it exceeds. I'd say we'd be better off legalizing heroin and uh, using the proceeds. You're you're far too cynical. I remember... Uh, that the lottery was started, so oh, yeah. we could pay, pay for education. So, yeah, you're so right. It's the same thing. You know, uh, the other problem with depending on gambling casinos, uh, I can remember when strip clubs were all the rage, and so everybody was trying to figure out how to get a, a men's club around, and that's come and gone as a fad because yeah. now you can see all the naked women you want in the comfort of your own on the internet. On the internet. Uh, <laughs> Lee Allen, you were shaking your head. Do you disagree with me that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think, I mean, I remember one time on uh, CNN, you know how they have the, uh, the ticker going underneath yeah. and, uh, they had, you know, record, uh, record profits for the, uh, the riverboat casino operators in Iowa. Right. And then right behind it, record number of foreclosures in yeah. Iowa. So there's the, I mean, when you rely on the, the, you know, sin to be able to fund public pension obligations, it, it's a, it's a real slippery slope. Yes, uh, I'm with you. And so in your opinion, which worse, uh, legalizing heroin and using the proceeds uh, to finance pension obligations or uh, legalizing gambling and using the proceeds? It, it sounds like the opium wars back in uh, back in China when you talk about legalizing heroin. I don't think there are really good options right now. I mean, but uh, if you're going to do one of the two, you have to do gambling. And I guess that's um, – that's a more tolerable thing. But I think uh, from a location standpoint, I think you're right. It'll probably be down there on the 78. Uh, but if you put it there, I'll, I'm interested to see what's going to happen uh, based upon that. Uh, you know, once that new map gets voted on, who ends up being the leadership over that development? Oh, guarantee you they'll take it away from Byron Sixer Lopez, who is a, a frequent guest on this show. Uh, it's currently in the 25th ward, uh, which is his ward. It used to be Danny Solis's ward. And Danny Solis was the chairman of the zoning committee uh, and uh, would have been the guy that any mayor would want in charge because he does whatever is told. But it turns out that uh, Danny for the last eight years or seven years or whatever it's been, uh, has been wearing a wire for the feds. And this is why I'm saying, man, it's a welcome diversion from uh, Ukraine because I went and no one, no one drills. Gladly, just say he was wearing a wire. Just, just as matter of factly, yeah, he was wearing a wire. He was wearing a wire, and he 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 brought down. You could argue. I've made this argument. I've advanced this argument that he's the greatest champion of reform in the city of Chicago because he's pretty much brought down Madigan and Burke. That's a powerful one too. That Danny Solis says, uh, not that anybody's going to put up a statues to Danny as the champion of reform. But, uh, yeah, he did something that got him in trouble with the feds, and as a result, he put on a wire, and he uh, caught Ed Burke saying all kinds of foolish things. And uh, The massage even... with the happy ending, right? That's what got him, right? Say that again? He, he, he liked, he liked uh, the, the massages with the happy ending from Asian women, right? Yeah, so you remember that. That was another uh, quote uh, that was picked up. So, anyway, I, um, 
I have to think long and hard about the vices, uh, Lee Allen Monroe, before I advocate uh, legalizing heroin over gambling. But gambling is very destructive. And I know this. I say this as a reformed gambler. Right. The other problem with the gambling is that, well, what's this report I was talking about, is that I think it's a fad. You know, New York is sooner or later, New York's going to have a gambling. And, you know, once everybody has it, that's what happened with strip joints. Mm-hmm. When everybody got a strip joint, I mean, you got small town that had strip joints. Uh, then, I mean, they still exist, but they're like poetry. Saturation. It becomes a saturated market. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. No, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Do you, uh, will the get casino itself uh, produce the profits that it's intended to produce to pay right. for our uh, uh, pension obligations? And to what Monroe was saying about the um, the lottery, anybody learned that lesson from the 70s? The answer is no. So <laughs> we're going to get you, this. What's that? And did you hear about the decline in marijuana sales yeah, uh, over right. the last 60 yeah. days? I mean, and so, and in California, they're saying that, you know, they're having huge issues now because the taxes are so onerous that they're, that they're just going to the illegal market to be able to sell yeah. it, which everybody could have, you know, predicted based upon the level of taxation that you had, you know, to distribute marijuana. Well, I'll close with a, a shout out to someone who did predict it. The producer of this uh, uh, podcast, Dennis, Dr. D, uh, who knows a thing or two about the illegal uh, marijuana market, uh, not because he operates it, because he over his lifetime has uh, indulged it, uh, said without a doubt, without hesitation, uh, that the taxes were too high, uh, the cost of legal weed was too high, and eventually uh, the illegal market uh, would outperform it. And at the moment, it looks like that may happen. And so the state of Illinois is going to have to reconfigure things, the Allen uh, and Monroe, in terms of how much taxes they put on it and, uh, and how much the people charge, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, all right. Very good, gentlemen. Uh, we've reached the end of our uh, time for the, today. We did not solve the war in Ukraine. Uh, we may have to come back to it. God, that helps Hopefully us. we can come back to it, Ben. Yeah, right. hopefully we can. That's hopefully we can. Lee Allen Jones, thank you very much. Uh, Green Party uh, candidate for senator back in 2010 uh, and a Chicago journalist. And, of course, Monroe Anderson, a legend in this city. He knew Lee Allen Jones and Lee Allen Jones was like eight or something like that. I forget what the story well, is. Well, 13. 13. Yeah. Wow, that's that's. And I'll be 43 this year. So that's 30 years. 30 years of knowing Lee Allen and knowing Monroe. That's, that's even, that's about as long as I've known Monroe. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. I'm 35 years. In, no, Monroe, you and I have 40 years. Oh my God. Oh Lord. Right. So, that go back, that's 82. Right. Yeah. Well, what's sobering to me is, uh, in two weeks, I'm going to be 75. Whoa. That's, you know, Wait, like, on two weeks, will it be on a Wednesday? April 6th, I don't know what day that is. May 8th, I didn't know my birthday is May 8th, Monroe, so yeah. you're a tourist. Yeah. That's, why we know, that's why we keep button hits. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, is a, it is a Wednesday. Oh, so my birthday is Friday. Oh, my goodness. I'm writing it down. Monroe Day. Uh, I wrote it, writing it down. Oh, my God, 75. Hey, man, did you know, did I hear say my birthday is on May 8th, so it's two days after Monroe's. No, he's eight. I thought you said April, Monroe. Yeah. April, April, maybe yeah, April. April. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Uh, all right, well, we'll have to have a celebration. We'll have to have like a virtual cake. Right. Uh, since we're not in a studio together, we'll have a virtual right. cake. Virtual uh, champagne. <laughs> 75. <laughs> 75. Wow. Man, that's called wise, all right? You're wise when you hit 75. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm catching them. All right, very good. Lee Allen Jones, Monroe Anderson, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. And I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joy Bolton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. The man who predicted that the marijuana market would fall. Uh, and as Monroe and Lee Allen will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D and the D stands for Demarvelous. Keep yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. All right.